international audience over the, uh, the uh, our website. Yeah, is international. I don't know if anybody international is listening, but it goes out internationally. <laughs> I just love saying that for for our, for our online community. <laughs> but um, so we've been talking about this thing called discipleship. It's a big to do. Um, you might remember, if I could uh, get myself together here. Hang on, hang on. That um, <clears throat> wait a minute. That's not it. That's not where I want to start. I hope I didn't hand out my, um, I bet you I did. I bet you I did. No, I think I gave you the wrong sheet, brother. Circle every, therefore, yeah, yeah, let me see. There we go. <laughs> I think that'll work. All right. <clears throat> so um, the Greek word for disciple is is basically uh, it means the verb uh, means to learn, and remember that a, a disciple would attach himself to another to gain knowledge, uh, the, uh, theoretical knowledge, theological knowledge, practical knowledge, instruction, and experience. Um, if you are in the construction industry and you've ever had an apprentice, you you understand what discipleship is. Um, it was very popular in the time of Jesus because if someone chose a rabbi or a great teacher that they wanted to uh, learn from, they would choose that man. They would they would leave their home, move in with them. Uh, the teacher would provide their needs, and they would learn all that they could. And it and it was a kind of learning that happened very practically. Um, uh, not all, uh, in particular scheduled in any kind of way. You know, some of the things that Jesus did as Jesus was, and you get this when you, when you read through the Gospels, as Jesus was, was discipling the disciples, it wasn't always in synagogue. It w- wasn't always let's sit down and have a Bible study. Sometimes they'd be walking along the field, and he'd say, consider the lilies of the field. And so the classroom wasn't a building the classroom was outside of that. And that's a challenge that we have in the church to try to understand this thing called discipleship and realize that discipleship doesn't just happen here. I've shared with you before that when I was teaching school at Calvary, one of my big challenges was, was to make Christianity practical for these young students. So it wasn't just, okay, memorize this scripture verse, okay, understand this theology or this doctrine so that you can get a good grade in my class. Because that really wasn't what it was all about because the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, and it, it, it brings discernment, it brings life, it brings understanding. So it's much, much more than just a classroom. I, I think I shared with you one time that we had some, um, uh, we had some landscapers that came on the property, and uh, they happened to be Hispanic. And, uh, and so I, uh, I, during class, uh, I said, okay, who speaks Spanish or who wants to work on their Spanish? Yep, couple, about eight, nine, ten hands went up. I said, I need four volunteers. One, two, three, four. Okay, check it out. Here, I've got these gospel tracks right here. Uh, or take your Bibles, and I want you to go out there, and I want you in Spanish to tell those landscapers about Jesus. Well, well, wait a minute. You didn't tell. Oh, yeah, no, you volunteer. You have to go now. I'll give you extra credit. Oh, now everybody wants to go now. Oh, no, too late now. Too late now, right? 
And those young kids, they went outside and they spoke to those. I didn't go with them. They went on their own and they talked to those landscapers because how tragic would it be that a landscaper would come on a church property at a Christian school and trim the hedges and never hear about Jesus? That would be tragic. So they went out and they shared Christ and, and they, <laughs> they got some extra credit. And uh, uh, but that's practical, right? And that's, that's discipleship, though. Uh, when I used to be in youth ministry, some of my greatest teachings happened along the way. As we would go someplace or we'd share Christ in some restaurant or we'd who knows what. You know, it, it, those were the best, those were the best times. Uh, and, and, they, and they created memories as well. I think discipleship is all about creating memories. Because when you read through the Gospels, Jesus is creating memories with these, with these men. Things that, you know, that we're reading now, and we can picture the things that they did and the things that they went through. That's discipleship, right? That's discipleship. So, so we have to think about the fullness of what this means. It's much, much more than just, you know, reading a book. It's much more than that. Uh, that is a part of it. Uh, it's much, much more than coming to church. If you want to be a disciple, that's just a part of it. Discipleship happens where life happens. Discipleship happens where life happens. Uh, that's why in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, it says you're to remind your children of these things as you're coming in and as you're going out, as you're out in the fields, as you're out in your home. It's, it's a constant teaching, constant. There are times where God will put, put things on my heart, and I'll have my kids with me, and, and I don't always think about it, but, but I'll... You know, maybe share Christ with someone or, or make a U-turn and talk to someone or who knows what. And, 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 and then afterwards, I talk to my kids. I say, hey, what did, what did you think about that person? Do you think that person was a follower? Do you? Oh, and, and, and see, that because, because Christianity has to happen outside of the building, folks. It has to happen. And, and in fact, I would say to you that the greater degree of, of life in Christ has to happen outside this building. Guess where? First in your homes then in your workplace, then in your school. By the way, this is another thing that you guys get. Uh, the Founders Academy is starting a Bible study here on their campus. Uh, many of you might know uh, Richard and Rhonda Cromwick. Their son goes here. If you don't know their name, you might know their son. He was one of the catchers on the Little League Baseball Wor uh, World Series Finals team. Okay? Yeah, big time. Yeah, he's like a celebrity. Like, what's up? Yeah, when he said to me, what's up, Rich? I said, wait, hold on now, man. You ain't that big. No, he didn't say that. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But uh, 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 so they're having a Bible study here, and, and uh, they've asked me to come and speak at the first one. And I'm like, of course, how can I say no to that, right? And, um, but, but see, that's, that's, that's where Christianity happens. See, it happens, it happens in, at home. It, it happens uh, uh, at the gas station. It happens... As you travel, it happens at school. It happens at work. It, it, it happens in life. See, it's not just here. This is where we sharpen one another so that we can go and do the work of the ministry, which happens in life, right? So that's, that's discipleship. And so think about, again, these, these uh, young men would leave their homes, move in with their disciple. And provide the teacher would provide for them, and they would they would learn their ways as they spent time with them.
them, as they spent time with them, they would learn their ways so that they could gain that knowledge and gain that experience, but then they could go and tell others. See, that's it. That's it. If it just goes one iteration or one, uh, one uh, uh, jump, it's not enough. It's not enough. Because you're, I, I think that not in so much in a biblical sense, but, but I think in a practical sense, you're not really a disciple until you disciple someone else, right? Because what happens? You multiply. You multiply, right? Okay. That's what it's all about. And so our goal is to make disciples who make disciples. Um, uh, discipleship is the ongoing process of being transformed into the image of Jesus. It's an ongoing process. You have good days. You have bad days. It never ceases. It's organic. It's growing. It's not. It's a relationship. It's it's a it's movement. It's it's uh, 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 it's good times. It's bad times. It's 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 times of him chiseling away at you. It, it's times of joy and and uh, and all that all mixed together. But it's a it's a process. Please understand that. Christianity is a process. Discipleship is a process. You're going to have good days, and you're going to have some miserable days, but it's still a process. You keep on that process. You keep on until you see Christ face to face, and he'll, he'll finish that which he completed or which he began. Is that a phone? Someone's looking for a phone. Or is it the speaker? Hallelujah. Hey, babe, give up. What? Hold on now. Oh, yeah. I'm reading all her email. No, I'm just playing. How many give me 25 bucks? 25, 25. Give me 30, 30, 40, 50, 150. Here it is. <laughs> what? It was behind the speaker. Uh, there it is, girl. You've been blessed. And we didn't even read your text messages. Someone tried to buy, tried to buy, uh, buy it from me, but I wouldn't let them. I can't, why am I holding this microphone? That's all going to be. A, people are going to hear this on, you know, on our, our worldwide audience and go, what's wrong with those people in Vegas? <clears throat> Jesus came to seek. Seek and find that which is lost, right? I'm glad she found that. You know, that's that's a bad thing when you lose your phone. It's a bad day at the office. Anyway, so a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is transformed by Jesus, and joins Jesus on his mission. Okay? That's what a disciple is. Someone who follows Jesus, is transformed by Jesus joins Jesus on his mission. Oh, we had a good conversation today in my house. We were talking about college. And my son was talking about you know, college and where he might go to college and this, that, and the other, and his life and goals. And I said, well, you got to have some goals, son. You got to, well, you know, I don't know, man, where I want to go. I said, wait a minute, what, how about where God wants you to go? What? Yeah, how about, how about praying about that and saying, hey, Lord, where would you have me to go? Right? 
um, joining Jesus on his mission. You know, you, you, you have a mission. You have a calling. Uh, the Lord never saves us just to save us. That's a part of it. But there's a purpose for everything he does. It's up to you to find out why he saved you and called you. Well, so what does a true disciple look like? Tell me, what does a true disciple look like? How can you identify one? What are the, what are the indicators or the marks of a, of a true disciple? Anything. What might a true disciple, how might they live their life? Following the, the way of the Lord, the walking in the footsteps of Jesus. What else? Humble. There's got to be some humility there, yeah? What else? Teachable, okay? That goes along with humility and following the Lord. What else? Huh? God-fearing, yep. Fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom. Desire to see others coming to that saving knowledge of Jesus, yes. What else? Prayer? People following him, right? Got to follow. Read their Bibles every day. Evangelize. Go to church. Pray. Be part of an account- accountability group. We've talked about this before, but Jesus made it pretty clear that we can't live the Christian life unless he is living that life through us. We cannot live the Christian life unless he is living that life through us. John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Oh, you can accomplish some things, but you can't do anything of any lasting spiritual value. You can't do anything that will multiply itself for the kingdom. A lot of things can be multiplied, but it doesn't mean it's multiplying for the kingdom. Okay? Nothing. And I'll get that. We've been called to be disciples, and we've been told we can't do it without him. That makes sense. I mean, for the young discipler to come up to the, to the rabbi, the teacher, and to say, okay, listen, I got this. I'll handle it. And rabbi be like, excuse me? <laughs> oh, you leading the pack now. No, that, that wouldn't even make sense. That, that's, that's what Jesus is saying, okay? Um, and then Jesus himself could not live the Christian life without his father. Did you know that? That's, a, that's a, a big thing to remember. Jesus could not live the Christian life without his father. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, John five nineteen. Jesus said, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judging is, ju- is just. And I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So how did he live his life so flawlessly, perfectly? Well, I think this is in your notes. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also, Jesus said. I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Jesus says, for I do not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say and how to say it. What to say and how to say it. Jesus said, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are 
just not my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Jesus did not live by his own natural strength. Instead, he lived by the energy of the Father who indwelt him, if I could use that word. He was anointed, the Holy Spirit came upon him, and in that power, he went and he ministered, not his own. That's true. It's important to know that Jesus didn't live by his own natural strength. All right? So what does it look like for you and I? We'll get to that. Uh, On your notes, I have Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 through 40. Let's read through that. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before men and confesses me out of a state of oneness with me, I will also acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven and confess that I am abiding in him. This is out of the Amplified Bible. Verse 33 says, But whoever denies and disowns me before men, I will deny and disown him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to part asunder a man from his father and a daughter from her mother and a newly married wife from her mother-in-law. And a man's foes will be they of his own household. He who loves and takes more pleasure in father or mother more than in me is not worthy of me. And he he who loves and takes more pleasure in son or daughter more than in me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me cleaves steadfastly to me, conforming wholly to my example in living and if indeed be, if need be in dying also is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his lower life, his earthly life will lose it. uh, The higher life and whoever loses his lower life on my account will find it. Um, uh, the higher life. He who receives and welcomes and accepts you receives and welcomes and accepts me. And he who receives and welcomes and accepts me receives and welcomes and accepts him who sent me. Okay, this is the core of discipleship right here. Uh, It is important that the disciples understood what they signed up for. All right, and so I have some instructions for you to do throughout the week. Circle every occurrence of the words, everyone, whoever, and he, and, and, and grasp out of that what you can. Uh, mark with a cross every reference to Jesus, and don't forget the, the pronouns, I, me, uh, uh, etc. Um, and so, uh, he is, in verse 32, uh, he's concluding his comments uh, in verse 32. Therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before men and confesses me out of a state of oneness, I will also acknowledge him before my father who is in heaven and confess that I'm abiding in him. And so Matthew chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, you can open uh, to that because we want to see what, what, what the apostles been talking about. And he's been speaking about discipleship. about what's going to happen to the disciples, how difficult the journey is going to be. He's reminding them that a disciple is not above a teacher, Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, nor a servant above his master. 
Um, it's enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, the devil, how much more will they call those of his household? Don't fear them. Um, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. He, he's warning them and in verse 28, and don't fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And he speaks a word of significance and meaning to them. Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. Don't fear, you're more valuable than sparrows. Whoever confesses me, verse 32, and there's where the therefore is. So he's speaking about the cost of discipleship, and then he summarizes it by saying this, therefore, uh, anyone who acknowledges me before men and confesses me. What does it mean to acknowledge him? What do you think? He says, who acknowledges me before men. And, and confesses him before. What does that mean? What does it mean to acknowledge Jesus before men? Do what? To recognize how? Maybe to exemplify the life of Jesus in, in front of others? To acknowledge him before men? Show others how you, by how you live, your relationship, yeah? We can acknowledge the Lord by how we live, right? When everyone else is going this way, we can say, I'm not going that way. You just acknowledged him before men. And then confess. Whoever confesses me, whoever uh, uh, agrees and whoever speaks about me, there's times in your life when you need to confess Christ, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to know the Bible backwards and forwards. But there's opportunities God will put you in. And it's an opportunity to say something. Go, wait a second. That's wrong. Why is that? That's wrong because the Bible says so. And here's, you know, I mean, make the most of those opportunities. It's living your life out loud. Not being loud mouthed, but living your life out loud. Letting your life speak to the relationship that you have with Jesus. Living that life. That's acknowledging him before men. That's confessing of Jesus. Um, and he says, a promise is, if you would acknowledge me, and I'll acknowledge you before my Father who is in heaven. But then he says, whoever denies and disowns me before men. Have you been watching the series AD on, on TV, uh, the, the series of the book of Acts? It comes on every Sunday, uh, uh, and uh, it's on the book of Acts. Um, it's it's an amazing. First two episodes were really really good. AD it's called CBS. Okay, number one rated show last weekend was on the Book of Acts on television. I mean, it is awesome. Uh, there's a scene in that where Peter rejects Jesus, and the acting is fantastic, and and the the. The script is amazing. Yeah, they, they add a little bit, but, I mean, you get, the, you get the point. And that Peter rejects Jesus is an amazing scene. 
And in the movie, as he's screaming at this woman that he doesn't know him, he, he, there's actually like, like spit that comes out of his mouth. I don't think he tried to do that. I just think he was just so into the role. It was, it was cool. I mean, not for the person who got spit on, but I mean, you know, they getting paid. You, know, you might want to ask for a little extra for that. But so, so, so Peter denied Jesus. Does that mean that Jesus will deny him? No, because he repented. Remember that? Remember that? Wow. But it means a lifestyle where you just continually, you, you just deny Jesus. You can go to church on Sunday and still deny Jesus on Monday by your lifestyle, by the way you live. That's acknowledging him before others. He speaks about not coming to bring peace, but a sword. Disciples of Jesus, do you understand that? There was an article on Easter Sunday about Jesus. It was in the editorial section. And it was about how far Christianity has gotten from Jesus, who loved and never judged and who cared for people and how nobody hated Jesus except the religious establishment. It's not exactly true, but the, the guy's an editorialist, not a theologian, but that's all right. He got it wrong because his comment was that Christians are known more for what they hate than for what they love. And the He's not qualified to make that statement because he doesn't know every Christian. Nobody's qualified to make that statement. There's a lot of amazing things happening in this city that happen in the name of Jesus that don't get any publicity that he doesn't know about or other people don't know about. So he's not qualified to make that statement. But Jesus is God of love. He would never condemn. He would never hate on anybody because of sin. Well, that's essentially true. But, see, that's only one part of the gospel Part of the gospel is that. The other part is that Jesus said, I came to bring not peace but a sword. What does a sword do? It separates. It cuts. It divides. Disciples, he is saying, I've come to separate a man from his father, a mother, a, da a daughter from her mother, newly married from her mother-in-law. And his, his point is, is that, is that there may be a time in your life where you have to choose your allegiance between even a father or me. A daughter and a mom. Stop believing in Jesus. And the daughter says, Mom, I can't do that. Hey, it's happening all over the world. Was it Kenya? where 147 Christians were slaughtered. And the testimony was they were asked, are you a Christian? And they said yes and were willing to die for it. But bring it to your own home. The gospel is like a sword. It brings together but it also separates and divides. Interesting, huh? 
People don't always understand. See, disciples, are you getting this? Does that seem hard or unreasonable? I mean, it doesn't mean you don't love, but it means your allegiance. Jesus said there will be those in your own household who will be your enemy because of the way you live your life now, really because of me. That means you have to give up some things. That's what that means. You're single. You're dating someone. and They're not a believer. At some point, you're going to have to decide between that person and the Lord. They may say to you, I don't want anything to do with church. I don't want anything to do with your religion. I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. You have a choice to make. That will be like a sword. Josh McDowell used to say that sometimes when you do the wrong thing, it has an immediate positive benefit or feeling. Whereas sometimes when you do the God thing, it has an immediate negative consequence or feeling. But don't let that immediate feeling determine whether you do it or not. Do what God says, because in the end, it will always be good. It will always be good in the end. It may hurt now. It may be a hard decision now. You may suffer now, but in the end, it'll be good. Always, every time, every time. Okay? So this is, these are strong words that Jesus is speaking. Look at verse 34 through, uh, through 37. He says, oh, we just read that, didn't we? Okay, never mind. Verse 38, he who, who does not take up his cross and follow me, Cleave steadfastly to me, conforming, willing to my example and living, and if indeed also dying is not worthy of me. And he says this, don't try to find your life on this earth. Find your life in me, because if you try to find your life on this earth, you'll lose it. Find your life in me and you'll gain this one. Powerful words, powerful words. Does this help clarify your role as a disciple, folks? Let's go on to Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 38. All right. As if what we already read wasn't enough. Jesus called to him the throng with his disciples and said to them, If anyone intends to come after me, let him deny himself. That is, forget, ignore, disown, and lose sight of himself and his own interests. I mean, come on. Come on. Who would sign up for that? Just want you to understand something, that if you join us, if you join us, you're going to have to forget, ignore, disown, and lose sight of yourself and your own interests. Who does that? Oh, we do it all the time. My dad spent 21 years in the military. When he signed up, he gave his life away. Korean War, Vietnam War twice knowing full well that he may not have come back. He did not die in Vietnam, but he was one of the many, many, many soldiers who came back from war and died because of everything they had gone through, because of the alcoholism in the Army, in particular, don't know about any other branch, could not handle what was happening. But they understood when they signed up, maybe they didn't, but they understood there's a possibility, you know what? Son, if the Marines didn't issue you a wife, you don't need one, right? That's the thought. 
you basically are owned by them. We do that. We do that in other aspects of life, right? Sometimes we're owned by the company. Well, I don't want to move to Pocatello, but the company says I have to. Okay, maybe that's not as bad. But we do that, right? Sometimes we forget, ignore, disown, and lose sight of ourselves and our own interests for something else or someone else or substance. But he says, for me, take up your cross and joining me as a disciple and siding with my party, follow me continually. Everybody say continually. Continually cleaving steadfastly to me. For whoever wants to save his higher spiritual eternal life will lose it, the lower natural temporal life, which is lived only on the earth. You see the comparison between the two lives? Higher spiritual eternal Lower, natural, temporal. And who, whoever gives up his life, which has lived, on, lived only on earth for my sake and the gospels, will save it, higher spiritual life and the eternal kingdom of God. For what does it profit a man? This is what the context of this statement. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life in the eternal kingdom of God? That means you can have all the riches in the world, and it means nothing in the kingdom economy. That means one soul, one person is worth more than all of the riches of the world because there's no comparison between that and everything else that the world has to offer. For verse 38, whoever is ashamed here and now of me and my words in this adulterous, unfaithful and uh, preeminently sinful generation of him, will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory, splendor and majesty of his father with the holy angels. Do you know how how much the script is going to flip? When, when when that time comes, when we'll all give an account for our lives and for what we did with Christ, do you do you know how many people are expecting reward in heaven and will get cast out? How many people think they're okay with God because they're good people? So they think and they think that will get them into heaven and it won't? Man, this is hard stuff. Jesus says, if anyone intends to come after me, and that word is a habitual, continuous, ongoing way of life. He says he must deny himself and take up his cross. And the word tense, the Greek tense, the aorist tense is an action at a point in time, something you decide, then do. And then that word follow is habitual or continual action. And so what does that mean? That means I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind. That's what that means. That means I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided that back there at that point, at that circumstance, in that moment of time in my life, I've decided to follow Jesus and I've turned and now I'm continuously every day following him. I'm not going back on my decision. I'm not all of a sudden not following him. I'm not perfect either, but I've decided Jesus I'm all in. I'm all yours. Back there, I've decided that now. I'm following continuously. 
I'm walking daily. That's what that means. That's what that means. To be a disciple. When Jesus says, take up your cross, what does it mean? And how does it apply to you? What does it mean? Jesus says, take up your cross. You want to come after me? Take up your cross. Sacrifice yourself. Follow in his footsteps. That's what discipleship is, right? It's following the master, the teacher, the rabbi. That's what it is. Everything that comes with it. A general call, but an individual specific call. Okay? Pick up your cross daily. Follow. Deny yourself daily. Who wants to deny themselves? Are you kidding me? In our society, in Las Vegas, we have a city that's bent on people who don't want to deny themselves. And they come by the millions to not deny themselves. Because you say so. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And so we're building our knowledge of what it means to be a disciple. Here is the reality. Is that following Christ will challenge you at the core of your selfishness and my selfishness. It will challenge us at the core of our pride and our ego and our want to do it our way attitude. Christianity will meet you head up. Christ will meet you head up with that. Now, there's a flip side to that because that has a tendency to sound negative. But I want you to read through this this week, and I want you to see the positives. It ain't all bad. It's hard. It's hard, but it's good. Listen, it's hard, but it's good. He said, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. You might lose some on earth, but you'll gain in heaven. It might look like you're foolish to not do what everyone's telling you to do when I'm telling you to do this, but you'll gain. You'll gain. And more than anything else, You'll be following in the footsteps of Jesus. You can't tell me that those disciples, the three and a half years, three years, was the absolute ride of their life. You can't tell me that any of them, after three years with Jesus, with exception of Judas, <laughs> would, have, would have said, you know what? I wish I never would have done this. No, you can't tell me that. 
You can't tell me that. You can't tell me when they stood on that mountain or when they stood and they saw, I'm referencing the movie, when, when Jesus ascended back up, they, they was, oh my gosh, man, has this been cool? I mean, Peter, James, and John see Jesus transfigured and they see Moses and Elijah and they're like, whoa, this is crap. There's Moses and we saw him, man. What did he look like? You know what he looked like. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? And you know, Jesus never sold him on that. He never sold him on the perks. He never sold him on here, see, watch, seeing the, the blind see or the deaf hear or the dead raised or miracles happen. He never sold him on that. He sold him on himself. And he said, you follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. All right? <laughs> and they did it. Because if you sell people on the adventure only, they might sign up just for the adventure. But it wasn't even about the adventure. It was about the man. It was about following him. And they did, as we'll see. <laughs> Watch A.D. It's all about the movement of the Holy Spirit through the early church. I can't guarantee that it'll be theologically correct, but so far, so good. Number one rated show last weekend, a, a, a story of the New Testament, uh, of the book of Acts, A.D. And Hollywood said, what? <laughs> The producer and his wife, you remember his wife, Roma Downey, touched by an angel? She was the, the British angel. That was her. And her husband, you might know a few of his shows. Shark Tank, he produces that. The Voice, you might know that show. He produces that show. So when this man who was born again says, I want to do a show on the New Testament, Hollywood said, okay, <laughs> okay. Number one rated show over the weekend. All right, disciple, are you understanding? You understanding now a little bit more? Maybe, maybe not. Every day we learn a little bit more. Every day the Holy Spirit chisels away and we look a little bit more like Jesus. All for his glory. All for his great name. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for... For your words, your words are, are challenging us. Your words are stirring our hearts. And it will mean something different to everyone in here. Um, but and, 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 Lord, we can't muster it up and try to fake it on our own. It can only come through you. So we acknowledge, Jesus, that apart from you, we can do nothing, and we need you. As the song says, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. We need you, Lord. Help us in our weakness. Help us to give you all the glory for all things. Lead us and guide us by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.